Good morning. Welcome to the Barn Sunday Morning Services, Exploring Your Faith Hour. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me. You can get involved by calling the number that is on the screen there and have input on questions or comment about what we're talking about today or any other question. And good morning, everybody here again. Hi, y'all. Okay. I'm ready to go today. It's hot, too, huh? It is so hot, I had to get uh, my afro cut off. Um, anybody have any questions about anything? Anybody had a life this week? Right here. just want to know about knowledge. Is knowledge bad? Like any kind of knowledge? If you hold on to knowledge, it is bad. You want wisdom, not knowledge. Good question. You have a lot of knowledge? No. <laughs> oh, good for you. No, it, it's bad. Now, if you want to learn how to build a house, you need knowledge for that. But once you build a house, let it go. Until it's time to build another one. When you're learning, is it better to be just guided or taught? It's not good to be taught. Because when they teach you, you forget what you already know. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah, and that's what has happened to a lot of folks. The moment you pop out the womb and mama start, and daddy start teaching you, then they send you off to school to be taught some more, you lose yourself. Now you're relying on the world to teach you everything. And that's a problem. And what's the best way to guide? The best way to guide is to be an example. Really, when you're an example of what you're talking about, that speaks louder than words, especially with children. With most people, really, they can see it in you. That's where the education comes from. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, good question. Yes, sir. Can you have wisdom with zero knowledge? Yeah, you have better wisdom with zero knowledge. Because you, you notice how smart kids are when they first come into the earth? Mm -hmm. And they haven't been taught yet. Mm -hmm. But they're like discovering things. And they're smarter than us. <clears throat> and then we get mad about it and slap them so they can forget it. But zero, but zero, <laughs> knowledge, zero knowledge would be like a, a baby, an infant who doesn't even know uh, how to drink water. That's why God told us to be like children. Let him reveal everything to us yeah. rather than trying to learn building out of our own egos. A baby can't feed itself. I'm sorry? A baby can't feed itself. That's why it has a father and a mother. And God is our father as an adult. Right. He is our father. He'll feed us. That's why he said, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to go, where you're going to live. I will take care of you the way that you take care of your children. But isn't a little, bit, a little bit of knowledge more practical than zero knowledge? Only if you're going to build a house or build a spaceship or that kind of stuff. So basically a balance between if knowledge you notice, and wisdom. And I'm guilty of that too. The people who have the knowledge of God mm -hmm. know nothing about him. Right. They don't know him personally. They know about him and like reading about Martin Luther King Jr. or someone like that. But they have no understanding about who God is. And that's why he's not guiding them. But they have all the knowledge about him. And the only thing that knowledge of is pups, it pups up the ego. It makes you think you're something that you're not. It makes you feel you know what you don't know. So it sounds like knowledge to the point is, is fine to the point to where it doesn't uh, exceed wisdom. Right. It's fine. Yes. That's what it sounds like. Right. All right, thanks. You're welcome, man. Um, did you have your hand? Okay. I remember it was said that when you're born again, that you don't even have a desire to do the things you used to do, the sins that you used to do. Right. Is that true? Yes. If that's true, is it possible that you can be tempted after you've been born again? You can be tempted, but you won't give in to the temptation. If you can be tempted, how can you be tempted if you don't have the desires, what I mean? Because... Walking by the light of God allows you to resist the temptation. But if you're not guided by God, you find yourself giving in to the temptation. You can't resist it. 
Oh, I see. Yeah, I think I do see. Yeah. All right, thanks. You're welcome. Uh-huh. Let me take it right here. You have a question? Just, uh, he just snatched the mic. <laughs> so, yeah. Just this. Uh, it was a, uh, just an incident uh, yesterday. Uh, when I was driving home uh, home from my errands, I, no I noticed a bunch of well, building supplies fell off the back of a pickup truck. I uh, I and a few other guy, uh, uh, people around there helped uh, help put those uh, supplies back on the uh, on the truck. And the strange thing of it, I didn't feel anything for um, anything uh, anything for it, about it. All I saw is so, uh, somebody needed help. I did the best I can to help it. Right is on. that the way? Uh, we should deal with uh, with, li uh, with life right. every moment. Um, not, yes, not we should not get all warm and fuzzy about it, uh -huh. because we take credit for it then, rather than recognizing God for the credit of it. I understand. Thank yes, you. Sir. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Martin uh, made a very interesting comment uh, in the Bible class. He said, uh, "You should read the Bible to understand your your weaknesses," and I never heard no one say that. We should read the Bible to understand our individual weaknesses. Our individual weaknesses is this. What did he and mean I, by that? I don't know. Um, you don't know? You liked it? I mean, it was at the end of the meeting, oh. in the end of the Bible class. But I always thought, I mean, you should read the Bible to understand God. And I kind of see like the world's getting worse. And when I was young, I always heard people say that these are the last days. We live in the last days. Now I kind of see that the world is getting worse. And then I say, okay, I should start reading it. But I just thought that was interesting when Martin mentioned you should read it to understand your individual, your own weaknesses. Uh, what do you think about that, Jesse? I have no idea because I don't know what that means. I've been reading about Bible all my life, and uh, it didn't help my weaknesses. And, and why do you read it? Right now I read it for understanding in that I just read it put it away and let the Holy Spirit reveal to me what it's talking about. Because I know my intellect is reading along with it and it's defining what it means and that's not helping me. And then I'm overcoming my weaknesses because God has allowed me to see and by allowing me to see, he causes me to repent as well. That's how I overcome my weaknesses in the light of, you know. Okay. Do you, so, do you read it every day? No. Okay. Just whenever I get a wild hair or there's a blue moon. Have you read the entire Bible? No. Okay. I don't understand how people can read the entire Bible. I would be a nutcase at the end. <laughs> really, I hear people who have read it three or four or five times, and they're just crazy. I've had them on my radio show. Now, I don't know. I mean, I know people who, who have done that and are doing it, but I haven't done it. Okay. Yeah. For a long time, I wouldn't even read Revelation because I heard so many negative things about it. And it was scared. It scared me so I couldn't read it. And I've never read all of Revelation because of that reason. <laughs> I was traumatized. <laughs> Did you hear about the, uh, the nanny from hell? Most of you said no. There's a family that lives in, uh, is it Upland? Upland, yeah. Upland California. And I had the, 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 the mother of, the show, I mean, of that family on my show yesterday here in L.A. And they had this move-in nanny to come and move in. And a couple of months later, they found out that she was lazy, wasn't doing the work, and blah, 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 right? And so they told her she had to move. They gave her... Uh, notice that you have to move out. And the nanny refused to move. She said, no, I'm not going anywhere. And she's still there. And a, a month or so have gone by. What? The last thing I heard was she went... Hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Is that she uh, went to the uh, police department and she sat in her car and covered her head with blankets and stuff. And oh, what there. happened with that is that... The media got hold of it some kind of a way, and they all came, to, went to the house to talk to the, both the parents and the nanny about it. The nanny wasn't there at the time, and when she drove toward the house, she saw the media around, so she turned around and went to the police department, 
and the media got word that she was at the police department, so they went there. So that's how that happened. But I had the mother on yesterday, and she said that there's a, some type of law in California that you can't put the lady out. And she filed the wrong paper, the parents filed the wrong papers, and so this lady is in their house, they're scared, she's a nutcase, and they have, um, this woman has done this to 37 other families. 37? Uh-huh, including her own son-in-law or son or somebody. And she's an old, you know, an elderly kind of a lady. And she will not move out the house. Can you imagine living in a house with a person like that at night? They're in one bedroom and you're in, I, I wouldn't be able to sleep. That is crazy. Yeah. She, she sued 37 other right. families. Yes. Isn't that amazing? And, um, so they don't know what they're going to do. A judge said that they could not put the woman out. So no more live-in nannies. <laughs> no more live-in nannies. Isn't that something? Well, you can't have a nanny. You know things are bad. And I've never, if that was my house, though, that woman would be gone. All, all, all the little blackness would come out of me. I would like for her to go to one of the Afro-American families and do that to them. <laughs> they would have her paying them to move out. <laughs> and so even the husband, can you imagine having a husband who can't make the psycho nanny move out of the house? That would not happen, folks. I understand that at all. There's no courts or nothing on earth that would stop me from throwing this psycho out of my home away from my family. You can't sleep at night because the crazy nanny is in the room across the hall. But that's what's happening. Did I see your hand somewhere? Okay, so watch out for the nannies. Yes, ma'am. Thinking they could just get, make her life bad instead of like Running from her, just make her life bad. Don't let her know. Use the refrigerator or just, you know, just make trouble for her. I wouldn't even make What I would say to her would scare her. It would make her move. <laughs> I wouldn't have to waste my time making no trouble for Satan. <laughs> this is my home, inside my home. She's not like living in the uh, apartment next door or the guest home. She's in my home. Isn't that amazing? They could take away her bed or whatever they've given her. You know. No, the threats would be so bad for me, oh. she'd be gone. <laughs> <laughs> and if that didn't work, I'd just call my mama. <laughs> my mama would get her out of there. <laughs> yes. But it is a shining spotlight on our legislation yes. and what needs to be done needs to be changed. This has gone too far. I know. When did they pass a law that said the nanny don't have to leave? Doesn't have to leave if she doesn't want to. I didn't know we had a law like that. These people are passing laws and they're not even telling us. Oh, let's go up to Sacramento and pass a law on Monday. Okay, what do you want to pass? Let's just think of something. It's crazy. But I blame us. I blame we the people for it. Because those people work for us, and we are allowing this to happen. Isn't that amazing? We are allowing the government to imprison us. That's mind-blowing to me. What? Yes? Uh, it, it seems as though the way the laws are written, that if the guy like physically grabbed her and threw her out the house, that... That would basically be, uh, he would get arrested right away. Right, but you, a real man wouldn't have to drag her out of hell. There are words you can say that would make her run through the, the, the walls trying to get out. But it, it seems as though after 37 times of, of going through this that she would be used to hearing everything that someone would have to say. I guess not. <laughs> because... Um, this is the first time it's been in the media, so I think it's going to, be a, it's going to have a different impact. Okay. Uh, the other 37 times, no one knew about it. 
You know, no one had heard of anything like this. But this family was able to get it in the media, so I don't yeah. think it's going to happen anymore. But I'm sure out of the 37 men, that some of them said something pretty... Uh, Apparently mean. not. Did, and it didn't phase her? I guess not. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with men today. But that would not work. Yes, ma'am. Knowing that you have the law on your side gives you a lot of strength, too. Yeah, it does. So she, she can feel threatened, but then when she knows she can go to court against you and it costs you money, time, and a lot of other things, it could cost you your job, then that does But if she's in strength. my home, I'm going to throw her out, and I'll go to court and deal with that. But she's not going to live in my home knowing that she's a psycho and I have a wife and children. You know what I mean? Yeah. When... Um, uh, there have been times at the bond home, we have a home for young men that we bring in, and we have had psychos live in the home, right? I tell them, you got to go, you're crazy. And then we lock bedroom doors at night, and then a few days they're out of there. Because there's a way to threaten a person without the police knowing. And maybe one day I'll teach you that class, how to threat. How to, how to threaten. How to threaten. <laughs> Dad tell me don't say that. Yeah, I'm going to teach you how to threaten. Because the law is not going to protect you. We got to protect ourselves. We have to. Um, I want to move on because time is moving on here. Have you ever heard that we, that, uh, we are the bride of Christ? Anybody ever heard that? Anybody over here, you've heard that before? We are the bride of Christ. And I want to know what does that mean? Because I'm just now finding out what it really means. And so I want to know, what does that mean? Yes, ma'am. It means um, as God's people wear his church, his church, you know, here on earth. And God's always, and as God's church wear his bride. That makes sense. Did you ask me if that makes sense? Well, that's how I understand it. Oh. And it made sense to you? Yes. Did it help you in any way knowing that about it? Yes, I read it in the Bible. <laughs> okay. We are the bride of Christ. Somebody else over here. You heard of that over here in this corner? Right here. What does it mean in the white top? No, you, yeah. She's pointing at her husband. Oh. Um. Are you the bride of Christ? I think the church is the bride, the bride of Christ, isn't oh, okay. it? I remember. So he's talking about the church, you, the same as she was saying. But the context or the way I understood it is, you know, when you're married, you're the bride to your husband. Right. So you follow your husband. Right. So I took it as the church follows Christ. Oh, okay. All right. Do you follow your husband? Yeah. You do? Oh, good. At least one woman in America, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you heard that before, right? What does that mean? I think I heard it kind of in the same context um, as the church as being the, church. Um, the bride of Christ and the church being the followers of Christ in general, and we must do by his will to uh, live a prosperous life. Did, what, did that do any good for you knowing that? Did it help in any way to know that, what it meant? I think so, because uh, when I think of that in... Um, it illustrates, uh, or you can find a connection to husband and wife um, and how they must be together, stand by each other, and when they stand by each other, uh, beautiful things will happen. Oh, okay. All right. And are you married? No. Oh, wait until you get married. We'll see if that works or not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, who else heard of that? You heard that we are the bride of Christ. Are you the bride of Christ? I don't consider myself a bride of Christ. Why not? Because if I was, I, would, uh, I wouldn't feel so bitter. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're not if you're bitter. Mm -hmm. You can hang it up, buddy. <laughs> Patrick, ask Patrick to come here. I want him to read something from his Bible. 
Do you have, do you have your Bible? That's Patrick, everybody. One of the smartest white men on this side of heaven. He has a, every Tuesday we go behind the headlines with Patrick Rooney. I want you to turn to the uh, Book of Wisdom. And if you have it in your Bible, you can turn to it too. Yeah, Book of Wisdom. Uh, one, three. Read that for me. Perverse thoughts, however, separate people from God, and power, when put to the test, confounds the stupid. Oh, that's not it. <laughs> that is, huh? <laughs> I like it, but that's not it. I don't know. I think I missed... I got the wrong scripture on it, but I have the answer to this stuff. But um, our bodies, according to 2 Corinthians 11.2, you can read this at some other time, our bodies are the temple of God. Not the building, not the folks out there, but each one of us. Our bodies are the temple of God. And that's why God said that we must... um, Um, keep it clean, protect the body because it is the church, not some building somewhere. We are the church. Individually, we are the church. And when we come together as one, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. But our bodies are the temple of Christ. And in Book of Wisdom, it says that the soul is the bride of Christ. So our souls are the bride of, of Christ. And that's why what Patrick just read, we have to protect that soul by keeping away from perverted thoughts, from all thoughts, thoughts that cause you to hate, thoughts that causes you to puff up in your ego, think that you, whatever, that you are God, thoughts that seduces you to have sex out of wedlock, thoughts that brings on fear and doubt and worry and all that stuff that you... You feel those thoughts pervert the soul. It perverts the bride of Christ. And that's why God wants us to to take on his mind, his thoughts. Because when we take on his mind, be aware of his thoughts, then we are protecting the soul, which is the bride of Christ. And we are protecting the body, which is the temple of God. I never understood. I thought what everybody else thought, that the bride of Christ with the church, like meeting a group of people, and that did no good for me. But when I, it was shown to me that my soul is the bride of Christ, then that's what resonated for me. It made sense. And then I have to protect this soul by staying out of the darkness of my imagination, by living in the present with God rather than drifting off into a future that doesn't exist or remembering the past that doesn't exist anymore. You can protect that. And I realized that thoughts are like a, a, a veil or a cover that uh, keep you away from the soul. It, like, it won't let you see things clearly because um, it's from evil and it, they want to control you. But if you could be aware, if you could stay present with God, then God could get in. It's, it's like... Um, the bride who was waiting for her groom. You know what I'm saying? Our soul is just waiting for that, waiting for God to come. And once he come back inside there and take our soul, then you can live. Then everything that he owns, we own it. Everything, he's our father, and everything that he has on earth, we own that as well. The same way that once a man and a woman get married, and whatever that man owns prior to the marriage, the wife now own it too because they become one. His bride is there, they become one, and she owns everything. And that's how it is for us with God. Once we uh, 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 stay away from allowing the devil to deceive us in our imagination. I was looking at a movie last night, and then there's one more thing I want to read to you, and I'll take some questions. Um, I was looking at this movie last night, and it was about 
a married couple, really nice young couple, the husband cheated on his wife finally with a, another woman, and he got the woman pregnant. And when he got her pregnant, uh, the woman said, well, you're going to have to tell your wife that I'm pregnant, you know, that you have made this baby. He did not want to do it. And, he, and his mind started racing with him and all these thoughts telling him what he can do to uh, solve this problem. They finally, the thoughts finally convinced him to kill this other woman, the one that was his girlfriend, the one that was pregnant. And I'm looking at this guy, he's just tripping. You know how when something happened bad in your life, the first thing you want to do is just overreact and try to figure out how to solve this problem. Anybody ever gone through that? <laughs> That's the worst thing you can do is overreact. Uh, even to a point, like this, in this movie, the thoughts told him, you know, uh, you might as well go and commit suicide. Your life is over. You know, you can kill yourself. So he, he pondered killing himself for a while there. And so it's so weird. The thoughts finally convinced him to kill this woman. He would have stole the shotgun, set it up, and killed the woman. And I'm watching this guy, and I can see him crossing that line. And as soon as he killed the woman, Satan kind of stepped aside and allowed him to see the reality of what he had done. He really tripped out. And that's what happens in our daily life if we are connected with the prince of darkness by way of the imagination. Our soul is just laying there not connected with the light or the love of God, and we operate from the imagination. And we got, that's why we got to wake up, and we're not going to wake up until we can un, understand what the Bible is talking about. We've been taught that it means all these different things, and we have taken the preachers at their words, and it has not done anything for us at all because we don't have real understanding. We want understanding, and we can only get that from God. And it's interesting in that in us, everything we are, Everything we need to know, everything we want to know is already inside of us to know it. But we got to live from within the kingdom of heaven inside of us. And once you tap into that, it's hard to depart from it. You will never depart from it. But our soul is, is, is the bride of Christ. Does that make sense at all? Yes. I'm telling you, it is mind-blowing to start seeing these things. Anybody any questions about that or doubt? No? So y'all believe me? Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Okay. So if, you know, your soul is the bride of Christ, but if there was a group of people, you know, and they all, everybody's soul was the bride of Christ, then still collectively, like we'd be a kind of strong, would be a, would be a, would we be like a stronger force together? Like, each one, if each person, That's a soul is the bride of Christ, still together, collectively, we'd be, let's say, you know, the church, for want of a better word, we'd still be the bride of Christ. Um, but it starts with the individual. Our souls are the bride of Christ, but once we come together with another brother and sister who believe in mm -hmm. God, we become family. You know, that's my brother, that's my sister in Christ. Not, my soul is not their soul. Right. And the reason for that, because if you notice, a lot of Christians be faking it. They're not really believers in God. They believe about him. And those people would cut your throat before you know it, you know. And so let's say that we were all connected with those people like that, like what you're saying. We could be connected with evil and not know it. Right. And so that's why God, it's, everything starts with self first. And then once you connect with that kind of love, it spreads out from you into the world. And we become the light of the earth and the light of the world, salt of the earth. But it's a mistake to gather yourself like that with people because most people don't believe in God. And that's why Christian families are not working for the most part. They don't believe in the order of God. They don't believe in... Um, another thing that happened, some rap artist by the name of R. Kelly. You ever heard of him? R. Kelly just found out that his 13-year-old girl 
is changing her gender to a boy. And so um, he is not accepting it so far. But when this girl told her mother, the mother said, oh, that's fine. I love you. Whatever you do is fine with me. I still love you. How many people think that's the right way to deal with that? I love you no matter how you are. Nobody? Oh. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, don't be afraid. Yeah, this is fellowship, and you're not going to get attacked. I left my gun and knife at oh, home. Oh, Evans. <laughs> no, no. As a mother, I, I would will call not you. call you racist <laughs> or anything. No, not at all. I think it's just a basic fundamental as, as a mother. I would probably lean more towards rather than alienation and losing that child, trying to work it out within my own ability to sort of come to terms. I would not be happy about it. Right. And I'd probably struggle with it, but I think ultimately I would try to somehow make some way of um, I appreciate your honesty. I, yeah. Right I on. Mm-hmm. And you say you would too. You say, I love you no matter what. I do. I may not like what they do, but I love them. Uh, I might not like their behavior. And I think the Lord is the same with us. He loves us. He may not love what we do, but he loves us. And That's does he accept us as we are? Yes. Yeah, but we have to put something into it too. We like what? Um like what you said, to go through life caring about others, learning about God and trying to become like him because he is trying to make us like him. That's right. That's for He's sure. He's trying to make us the same as he is. Because our soul... We have to go through that system before we can get into heaven. Our soul is uh, created in his image. And yeah. that's one thing we recognize, too. Once we reconnect with it, we are like him. We are his children. We don't have to worry. We don't have... It's so amazing... We don't have to have doubt. Um, do you believe God loves us as we are? Oh, I'd like to think so. And why would you like to think that? <laughs> because um, I do believe that um, Christ is all loving and all forgiving. And I think right. he holds out that you will eventually, you know, I would like to believe that. Maybe. Oh, okay. Um, let me ask... Anyone else here would tell their daughter who want to become a boy, I love you, that's fine, whatever you do is fine with me? Why, why wouldn't you tell your daughter that? Right, hold on, put a mic there. I'm kind of torn between both answers to the question. Um, it would be a real struggle, and I think I would do what I could um, to help them live a life that is in accordance to Scripture and and a life that I, I feel would, that life that they're going to begin to live, it's not going to be a happy life for them. Yeah. They may feel like they're going to be true to themselves, but it would make me sad to realize that people are going to look down upon them. They're going to feel internal pain from this. So yeah. I'm torn between both You're sides. You're torn between the two. Mm-hmm. Do you believe God loves us as we are? I think he cares for, I think he cares for all of us. But, you know, it's sometimes it's when do you, if you keep rebelling against a human or if you, same with God, if you keep rebelling against that person, when are they just going to give up on you? They try so much yeah. and God tries to bring everyone to his side. But when do you give up? Okay. Ron, do you disagree with this or agree? Um, I believe that God does love us. As we are. As we are, but he allow, that's because he allows us to suffer. He loves us in general. But, but he, if he, he loves will, us, why are you letting us suffer? Well, he's not letting us suffer. We're, <laughs> we're doing that on our own. He's like, I love my children. If they do something wrong, I'm, I'm going to tell them about it. But I still love them. So you, you say that he loves us as we are. He loves us in general. I don't know if those are the right words. He, he loves thing. us overall. He loves give me us a no yes or no to as we are I first. I can't give you a yes or no. But I need one because I'm slow. No. No, I love my children no matter what. If something happens, they do something wrong, I love them. Right. But I don't condone what they do. So, so you don't love them as they are then? I don't condone what they do. I love them still no as matter what. As they are. Right? No. No? It does, there's not a yes or no for me. Oh, okay. Uh, huh, I get that a lot on the radio show. No, yes or no. Yes, ma'am. 
I don't think. Uh, a little louder for me, right into the mic. I, I don't think God loves us as we are. Why not? I used to, because I think that um, that's why there's consequences. We bear the consequences of our choices. There's punishment. We suffer. Those are all things we bring upon ourselves. And when we repent, he's always willing to, to love us and to, he's there for us. But ultimately, uh, we're hurting God when we hurt ourselves and the choices that we make and that kind of stuff. And I think that for, I think that, um, I think sometimes this whole thing about love, maybe a mother would be afraid not to say I don't love you, but to just accept it. I don't think as a parent you're guiding. And that's so you love. say he does not love us as we are. He I think as, as a child, you know, you have that innocence. And so, yeah, God loves you as you are, but we become corrupted. And so I think that... Uh, Give me a yes or no to this first. Does God love us no. as we are? I'm sorry? No. Oh, okay. And you say no. Why do you say no? Because our, we have a corrupted... Um, Nature. Okay. If your daughter came home at 13, almost 14 years old, and say, you know what, Mom? I'm really not a girl. I'm a boy. I can't wait to have the body part go and change them. What would you say? Would but you I, say, that's nice, daughter. I love no, you. No, as no, you, I don't agree with it, but I love you as you are. No. I, I, maybe would, I would say oh, I still love you, but I, my, I would have to be firm, and I would say... Um, I just think of my grandmother, that's how she was. She would say, I still love you, but she, she, if I did something she didn't like, she was very, uh, you know, she, I, 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 she'd be like, you have to move out, or you, she was very firm with her beliefs. I, you're right about, I was thinking of what my grandmother would say. Can you imagine I go home one day, well, Grandma, I want to be a girl. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> and I also think, like, you remember. My grandma would me up and down the road. <laughs> I got you a girl, all right. But it was different because I think that when your grandparents <laughs> spanked you, you can feel that they loved you. Yeah. Versus I think now if someone says, That's oh, I'm not going to beat up my child. It's like, well, no, I, you know, don't beat them up out of anger. But when you're correcting and guiding, yes. it's different. I would, have, I, I would have to say, you know what, Grandma, I was just playing. <laughs> I was just joking. Forget it. Yes, sir. Yeah, the, so you're asking if... Your child came home yeah. and they wanted to be the opposite sex. What would, what, you would your response either be total rejection or complete uh, 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 okay affirmation yeah, of, you, of that? Yeah. I think they're not mutually exclusive, being that you could totally reject a child and completely love them at the exact same moment. So that those two things can go on at the exact same moment. And number two is it could also be the right thing to do. Each one could be the right thing to do, total rejection or complete affirmation in the same situation, uh, but at different time periods, you know, like once, you know, at different time periods, you know, like not at the exact same moment, but like one at one time and one at another, like complete affirmation, you know, completely accepting, right. and then the other one, complete rejection, and they could be the right thing to do. Um, it, considering the situation and under different, you know, um, at the same circumstance, at a different time. Each one could be the bright thing to do. Okay. So that, that, that was my... <laughs> I don't have kids. Yeah. I don't have kids. Yes, ma'am. Well, I would say, I mean, I w if it happened to me, to either my daughters, I would still love my daughter, but I would not love the act. And as a parent, it's my job to kind of teach them right from wrong and... Would Even you, though it would be right, really difficult and painful, would that would be me know, loving her. By you let her know that. you don't like this Yeah, idea? absolutely, oh, okay. I would. Right. And to okay. me, that would be a sign that I really loved her because I wanted her to, you Does know. God love us as we are? Um, my first, I was first going to say, yes, he loves us as we are, but he doesn't love what we do. Not oh. all the time. Sometimes he does. Well, he doesn't love the act always. It depends on how we, if we do it and then go back and repent, you know, and really strive to do better. Okay. Even though we might do the same bad thing the next time, if it's in our heart to try and do good, he loves this us. This is so good. It's good. This is what church is all about. I love this kind of church. 
Um, but, I'm a, go ahead. But I feel like if we have a real wicked heart, if we just do it out of, you know, out of hate and malice, and we just continually do that with no repentance, then I don't think he loves us. Okay. So I want to start back with you since you started all this. Started okay. You started all this trouble. You say that God loves us as we are, right? I would like to think so, yes. He's all forgiving. He has given us a free will, though. Okay, well, so, we won't get into the free will. We won't thing. go in that that's, one. Okay, but. That'll take another whole hour. <laughs> okay. But let me ask you this then. Yes. If God loves us as we are, why do we have to repent before we can enter into the kingdom of heaven? That uh-huh. is yeah, you got me. However, <laughs> no, it, it, it's an extraordinarily difficult thing. And I think particularly this subject that you're speaking of, um, fortunately, I've never had to deal with anything of such. But I think as a parent, you would be devastated and crushed. And as this other gentleman said, your, your child is choosing a life of extreme hardship and uh, tremendous amount of pain. And as a parent, I would imagine you would be also because you could still have an yeah, involvement. Yeah, you would want to see your oh, child live, you that's do, for sure. Yeah, I would do everything within your power to try to, you know, change things, but if ultimately I think the loss of your child may be greater as a as in a mother, and you know, fortunately I'm not speaking with experience. So fathers don't normally accept this stuff. Mother. No, I would think a male a father would have a far more difficult. Yeah, because time. even when R. R. Kelly was asked about it on yeah. the radio show, he like, look, don't be asking me and my daughter a boy here. You yeah, asking me the wrong no, person. I, I think it might be somewhat gender related, and maybe just the bond that a mother has with a child. Uh, Possibly. I think so, too. Yeah. So you don't know the answer to if God love us, loves us as we are, why do we have to repent before we can enter into the kingdom? I guess I really don't have a, a, a specific answer other than I think the acknowledgement of, yes, he loves you as you are. That doesn't mean, I mean, again, like a, as, a, as a child or having children, they, you don't always like the acts or what they're doing. You never really give up on loving them, but you try to remedy and sort of, get them to see. Isn't that a good question though? Yeah, about? it is. It's extremely, and there's no, in my opinion, no really, you know, no, really I have clear a solid in- answer for oh, you. Oh, good. Then I'm ready. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me ask you. If you say God loves us as we are, right? I do, yes. So if he loves us as we are, why can't we enter into the kingdom of heaven without repentance? We can't even, if we don't repent, we never will be with him. You would think that if he loves us as we are, we shouldn't yes, have to repent. I, know. You just I hear take what us you're on. saying, and I'm trying to think what I've learned from Bible study. Oh, that's the wrong place to look. Yeah. Um, and see, I understand what you're saying, too. He loves I'm trying us to unconditionally. Think. That much I know, for sure. That means no matter what, how, you know. So if he loves us unconditionally, Un- why do we have to repent? To show our appreciation or love for what he Not did for us. Not if he loves us unconditionally. Okay. That means you don't we have don't to change have to. anything. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little confused about that. Uh-huh. I'm not sure. And you thought you knew the answer to that, right? No, I knew I didn't know the answer, but I thought if I could, you know, try to get uh, my thoughts out, I might, <laughs> might come to something. I understand that. Isn't it amazing? She said, I'm trying to remember what they said in Bible class about that. See, and I use that because I used to be the same way. I totally understand that. All that we need to know is already with us. And the Bible class doesn't give us that. A good Bible class is to tell you where to look for it. Because that's what the scripture says. Go within, have faith in God, look to nobody else, trust no man. You know, uh, it tells you not to do all these things, where to find it. But if we just read the scriptures or just go to Bible class to learn, when we need to know something, we forget what they taught us in the Bible class. See, the, the Bible study that I went to, they were excellent. And they always gave the scripture. We would have our own Bible on our lap, look it up. But at my, with my age, it's hard for me to remember where the scripture was. Well, you know the beauty about that, the age thing? <laughs> when you connect, when your soul connect with God, you no longer have to rely on memory. We have the Holy Spirit become, he, he, become, he comes into full force when we connect souls back with the, the Creator, right? And the Holy Spirit would teach you all things, remind you of all things, guide you, and do everything on your behalf. 
It really will. Yeah. And so you don't have to, it doesn't matter your age. You don't have to worry about remembering the things of God because the Holy Spirit will remind you instead of the thoughts where you tried to hold on to things. That's what makes you go nuts at, in the old age because you're trying to remember all this stuff that drives you crazy. Isn't that right? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Hard. So I want to tell you, let go of all thoughts and be guided by the Spirit mm -hmm. because we are a spirit. Let me ask the young lady in the back real fast. If God loves us as we are, why do, right in the middle of Stephanie there, why do we have to repent in order to enter into the kingdom? Say that again. If God loves us as we are, why do we have to repent before he will let us in the kingdom? It's to show our love for him. Because if we don't, you know, repent of our sins, then we don't, I don't think we truly believe in God or love him. Okay. The reason he won't let us in, because he does not love us as we are. And that's why we have to repent. Because as we are, we are in a fallen nature, and that nature is the nature of Satan, and Satan is our father. And God is not going to let us in with Satan's nature. And that's why we had to repent. Because if, we didn't re if, we, if he loves us, loved us unconditionally, and we should just be whatever we want, he would not have sent Christ to die for us so that we could have a way out of this mess. That's why he sent Christ. The people who were living then, they, all of them were sinning. You know, they could barely find 10 people on earth that were not of sin. And that's why they had no way out. If he had loved them unconditionally as they are, he would just took them all in. It would have been no problem. Do not believe that God loved you unconditionally. It is not true. Now, he loves us to a point he did send his son to give us a way out. So he does love us, but he's not going to let us back in the house until we repent. And that's why we suffer in darkness. Somebody mentioned suffering. We're suffering because our ego, which is the nature of evil, don't want to let go. It want to be God. And in order to die from that, it, it, it's, it's unwilling to submit, to submit or surrender to God so you can overcome that ego. You're never going to get in the way you are. It's just not going to happen. And yes, God does love us, but he is not going to let you into the kingdom until you overcome your pride, your ego. You got to die from sin, meaning pride, wanting to be God, so that you can get in. And there are a whole lot of folk who love to enter into the kingdom of heaven, but they're unwilling to die from their pride, their ego, playing God. And that's why they can read the Bible until the cows come home. They can quote scriptures until you're black and blue in the face. And you never enter into the kingdom until you repent. And here is, here is some evidence that you have not repented. So you know what that means. If you have any iota of anger, you will not enter into the kingdom. Because anger is the nature of Satan, of evil. And evil does not get along with the light, the love of God. God is all love, all everything, but he's not anger. That is the nature of Satan. As long as you have one iota of anger, you're never going to enter into the kingdom. That's why he said before you enter in, you must repent. You must forgive. You must forgive so that you can enter into the kingdom of heaven. Otherwise, he will let you roam the earth and just suffering, and then you'll die with the scriptures in your head. You and the scriptures will go right to hell. Isn't that amazing? And yet, he's a just God. He loves us. His grace is keeping us holding on until we can finally repent, and that's when his love will guide us. But we have been taught all this other madness that is preventing us from repentance. And then we walk around in our ego, our pride, thinking that we know something that we don't really know and won't even ask, well, if I know this about God, how come I'm still insecure? Why do I still hate? Why do I respond to things in life, you know, issues of life? Why am I comparing myself to other people? Why do I have fear? When you repent, you have none of those things. 
no fear, no doubt, no worries, no insecurities, no comparing yourself to another person, not trying to be like anyone else. You don't trust your own ego. You trust God. But you got to let go of that anger so you can enter into the kingdom and start seeing things. If you have any iota of anger, you're thundering or looking in the dark trying to find your way. You're just like this in life. And every decision you make, everything you do is wrong. Because you walk in the darkness and not into the light. If you're looking for love and trying to give love, you're of your father, of your father, the devil. Because a free man or woman does not look for love, they give love. If you, if you, if you, then you're not of God. <laughs> I'm trying to just say this because I'm learning that everything I've been taught is wrong. Discovery is the right way to go, not what you have been taught. Everything you've been taught is keeping you away from God, and you're holding on to this knowledge. It only builds your ego, and that's all it does. It keeps you in hell. You got to sit down. You got to be honest about yourself that you have this anger in your heart. Just be honest about it. That's all you need to do and do nothing else about it. And God will change it. Don't hate yourself for having it. Don't deny for having it. Just know you got it and God will change it. That's all. It's so simple. The easiest thing on earth to do is to let go of all anger. is to repent. And don't let anyone tell you that, oh, it's a process. No, it's not. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm trying to forgive. It's a process. That's another trick of the devil. God changes you at the blinking of an eye. At the blinking of an eye, he will change you. It is not a process. Satan loves it when you believe that it's a process. Because he knows that he can hold on you to a a little while longer here and just cause hell in your life. It's not a process. It's a twinkling of an eye. When God took away my anger 26 years ago, it just happened. And I didn't know he was going to do it. He allowed me to see that I resented my parents. And that resentment had held me back in life. And I was overreacting to every situation in life as a result of that. When he caused me to see it, he caused me to repent. I felt a sadness that I never experienced before in my life. It's not like a sadness of losing a loved one or being lonely or breaking up with a girlfriend or a wife or a husband. It's a sadness that comes from somewhere else. And he caused me to go through that. And at that point, and it all happened so fast, you don't even have time to think about it. It's just over with. And now you can see and now you can start living and overcoming and start reacting and loving that connection with the Father and growing in that. But you got to let go of your anger. Because anger is judgment. Judgment is pride. And pride is playing God. And so to play God is not to know God because you think that you are God by judging everything you do and everybody else for doing it. All that needs to go. That makes sense? Uh-huh. Let me ask this young man here. What do you think about all this, sir? Uh, well... I'm not entirely sure if I buy, well, if I accept the fact that um, anger is somehow exclusively connected with Satan because of the fact that um, I, if I can, you know, there are multiple instances within the Bible, such as in the Old Testament of, uh, you know, God getting angry at us. So I'm not entirely sure if I personally accept uh, the fact that right. anger is something that um, is mutually, uh, but in general, you know, of course, um, we should have a, a willingness to uh, forgive uh, easily and quickly. You have, do you have anger? Um, I would be lying if I said no. We don't lie in the church. Yeah, I, yeah. You so do. I, of course. You have I anger. Do. 
And what good has it done you to personally have anger in your life? What good has it done you? Not, not much. And you believe in God, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So you believe in God, you have anger, but your anger has not done you any good at all. If anger was good, at some point it would have been good for you in your life, right? I, I suppose. And so, you, you don't think so? I mean, about now, with all, how old are you? Oh, I'm uh, 19. Yeah, 19 years of anger. It should have been done. You should have seen something good coming from that. But you haven't, right? No. Right, because it's not of God. It's of the evil one, the prince of darkness, the deceiver. God wants you to have perfect love, which is forgiveness, not holding a grudge against yourself or anyone else. He wants you to do what Christ did. Yes, Christ saw things that was wrong. He was angry about it, but not with judgment. He saw that it was wrong, and he dealt with it. He spoke up, but he didn't hate. But with your kind of anger, even if you're able to speak up, you do it with resentment. You do it with judgment. And that's not the kind of anger God had at all. His anger was all it was of love. It had no, I can disagree with you. I can yell at you. Now in my life, I can do it, but not hold anything against you. And that's what it means to reject all this stuff. Just don't hate it. You see it, you speak up, but don't resent. And you can't do that when you have anger. All right. That makes sense? I guess, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense? Um, we have about three minutes left here or so. Where did your anger come from? How did you first become angry? Uh, I mean, I guess it was just typical, you know, young male stuff. You know, nothing much more than that, I guess. So what you're saying, telling me you really don't know. No. Right. No. Uh, this is why it's so important for you to start to examine yourself, to want to know. Because I wanted to know. When I was a kid and I had that anger, I used to say, why am I so angry? Where did this come from, right? You need to start examining that. Don't accept anger as being good or natural because you heard that Christ had it in the scriptures, right? Because it's killing. It's going to destroy you. And if you ever get married, it's going to destroy your family and everything. There's nothing good about it. You will not be able to deal with the challenges and situations of life because of the anger, because God is not with you in that. Only Satan, your father, Satan. So here's what I advise you to do is to start examining that. Don't accept it as good. Just know that you do have it. And even if you don't know how you got it, God will reveal it to you. I would offer you to take a look at your relationship with your parents first, because most of the time, 99.999, but not all the time, 99.999.9% of the time, but not all the time, it started with, with parents first. Right. And, and, and I, I can almost guarantee you, you resent your father and your mother, especially your mother, because of her imposing her life on you, controlling you, teaching you, trying to rule you. And your father has not protected you from it. And you resent your father for not protecting you growing up. And that has separated you from God. And you read the scriptures, you think you know him when you really don't. You need to forgive your parents. They did the best that they could do. They didn't have it. They, they didn't have it to give it to you. And, and the way you stop that cycle is by forgiving your parents so you can start a new life with your family. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. So you resent, your mother get on your nerves at times? Somewhat. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's because you resent her. How about your father? He, he gets on your nerves? Like every good parent should, I guess. You need to forgive them. And then, uh, you've got my word on this. I'm not God, but I just know it from experience. Once you forgive, nothing gets on your nerves. You can be dealing with it, look at it, and deal with it, and not feel anything about it. They don't, it can't control you anymore. You need to forgive. And let them know why you resent them. I had to do the same thing. And once you do that, God will forgive you as you forgive them, and then you can go free. All right? That makes sense a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Here's what I want you guys to do. Read Romans 8, uh, 37 through, through uh, 39, and also 2 Corinthians 6, 16. It tells you about what happens when you connect 
when the, when the groom connect with the bride, which is the soul, then you start to see that everything that God's own, God owns, you own it too, because he is your father. We need your support as well, your tithing and offering. Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for coming in. I appreciate it. For more information, to purchase a copy of this program or to make a donation, visit us on the web at bondinfo.org or call 1-800-411-2663. That's 1-800-411-BOND. Oh,